It's that time of the week. Welcome to another episode of Money Making Markets. It's really eight weeks in, eight episodes in two months. Let's go. Continuing to grow this community, continuing to grow this show, this podcast, your favorite show, your favorite podcast each and every week. Hope that hopefully I've been bringing you guys very interesting news. You guys are loving the news stories that I'm bringing, the developments and overall just the general knowledge that I'm bring that I've been bringing to you guys every week. Just trying to make it as simple and understandable as possible. So hopefully I've been doing a good job. Hopefully the shows have been getting better and better with each every episode. That's you know what I'm striving for. Always strive higher. Incorporating that into money making markets is trying to make every single show better. But with that being said, I have plenty to get into. It was a great, another great week. And I'm just ready to bring you guys that information. So let's get it going. Money making markets episode eight. Yes, sir. Always, the content provided is for educational and informational purposes only and should not be construed as professional financial advice. The information provided is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your qualified financial professional with any questions you may have regarding your personal financial situation. As always, do your own research, do your own due diligence. That is what money making markets is about. Let's go. So the stock market this week. So it was basically a slow weekend for the for the market. It was, you know, consisted of subtle gains and subtle lows, highs and lows, gains and losses throughout the week. And this week, analysts and traders and investors, they were mainly monitoring the global economic state and the global economic affairs that happened this week. So the science of economic resilience has outweighed concerns about inflation. Tighter global monetary policy has prompted sellings from investors. Stocks have swung between moderate gains and losses this week, buffeted by strong global economic data that has boosted inflation expectations. So even not only even in the U.S., but along with the global landscape, basically economies all over the world, they've been really resilient, which is looking like they're going to be forcing central banks around the world to increase interest rates. Now, how much they will be increasing interest rates is to be seen. However, it's being shown that just economic, the economies of global nations have been as resilient as the U.S. economy. As for the three indexes, the Nasdaq Composite jumped 266, 226.02 points, or 2%. As technology stocks recovered some of their losses from a dismal performance in February, the S&P 500 advanced 64.29 points, or 1.6%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 387.40 points, or 1.2%. All three indexes finished higher this week. Subtle gains snapping a four-week losing streak for the Dow. Friday's gains capped off a week of moderate peaks and charles as investors weighed strong global economic data against high inflation expectations. So basically, this week was subtle gains and losses throughout the week. However, with the subtle gains and losses throughout the week, the mark, the three indexes did finish higher as of Friday's trading session 
ended. So, so with subtle gains and losses throughout the week, it's to be seen in the future how the Federal Reserve decides to increase interest rates or how aggressively they decide to raise interest rates with corresponding of how inflation is doing. But we're basically in the same position that we have been in the past couple of weeks with just observing how inflation and new economic data, how those new reports coming and how that will inf- that will affect the mindsets of investors and analysts. That is a little bit of a stock market update. Something new that I've been that I'll probably incorporate going to the future is this little graph right here, which shows you the best performing sectors as well as the best performing industries from the past cup from the past week. And this is brought to you by the consumer price market indicator website i'll leave that in the bio they're a great website that is able to produce these charts right here showing how the best performing sectors and best performing industries from the past week i think that would be very good to show each by week to week to show you which sectors have been performing the best on a week by week basis along with the industries that have been performing on a week by week basis, hopefully that will show you, okay, these industries, these sectors are the best performing and you're seeing, oh, maybe the energy sector or the tech sector at the top of the charts every week. Okay, let me look into the tech sector. Oh, okay, let me look into the energy sector and see which companies maybe that have been performing the best in these sectors or in these industries. Now, the reason I didn't put you know individual stocks in this is because, again, the stock market is volatile. So I don't want to even though I say to do your own research, I don't want to put up a chart up here which shows whatever company being, you know, ex- exceedingly growing one week, and then maybe the next week you won't even see them on on the on the chart, even though it is showing the highest growing stocks for that week. But again, the stock market is very volatile on a week by week basis. You know, going off with news and news reports and developments that come in. So I don't want to give up the impression that oh, okay. Just by you seeing a, sp- a specific stock or a specific company at the top, okay, well, that could lead you to maybe wanting to invest when you don't really know all that well about a specific company. So I just don't want to give the impression that, okay, this company is maybe one that you should be investing to when maybe it was just a one-week high gain for a company because of a news development or a specific circumstance circumstance that came up. So that's why I'm just going to be showing you guys the top performing sectors and the top performing industries from a week by week basis. And that will hopefully give you an idea of, okay, let me look into companies within that industry and why you may want to invest in maybe that industry as a whole or companies within that industry or sector. So I'll be definitely including these charts in the upcoming weeks. So hopefully that helps as well. So to move on, student loan borrowers will likely won't know for months if debt will be forgiven. So it's looking like as if Congress and the Supreme Court is going to be deciding if Biden's student loan forgiveness plan will be actually going into effect. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, but Biden launched a program a couple of months ago where he said that he'll be forgiving, I think, up to 20000 it was mostly ten thousand for most applicants, but from ten thousand to twenty thousand dollars would be wiped out for people who own student loans. I forget the criteria that was involved within that. It was for a very specific criteria that would allow you that would allow your gain your student loan debt to be wiped out from this program. However, it seems as if there was an uproar from 
a specific part of Congress that they were questioning if Biden and his administration were actually had the authority to enact this. Now, this is something that is actually crazy. With all the bills and the money that is spent on in Congress and just within the government as possible, why is it now all of a sudden where Biden and his administration, they're looking to launch something that will affect millions and help millions of Americans? Now, all of a sudden, there's a problem with this legislation. There's a problem with this. There's an uproar from Congress or members of Congress that, oh, let's slow down. Like, oh, you can't really do that. Like, where is this coming from? Like, I, don't, I really don't see why there is any defense, why there's any pushback against this bill that will help Americans. The job of politicians is to help Americans. This should be a unanimous decision from Congress or from politicians that, okay, this bill, this legislation is going to help millions of Americans. Like, this is not a Democrat. This is not a Republican. This is not a liberal. This is not a conservative issue right here. This is just an American issue to help millions of Americans who may be stuck in however much money of debt that they own to student loans. Like, this is to help Americans. And all of a sudden, there's this pushback from Congress or certain members of Congress. Like, where is this pushing? I have so many questions. Like, where is this pushback coming from? Why is this pushback even happening? Like, with the amount of money that is being spent on so many different other things within the U.S. budget, like, you will be shocked by how much money we spend on certain things and certain sectors that the government that the government spends within the U.S. and within our U.S. budget. And for them not to be unanimous, unanimously on board to just wipe out student loan debt for millions of Americans is kind of puzzling to me and something that's crazy. The court will likely not deliver its decision in the case until late June, leaving borrowers to wonder whether their loan balances will be slashed by as much as $20,000. No matter what the court does, its decision will mark the end of a roughly three-year pause in federal student loan payments. Payments are scheduled to resume 60 days after litigation over the loan for given this program is resolved or the program is implemented. So I'm just hoping that by the end of all of this, by the end of the whole litigation and the Supreme Court's judicial process. I'm hoping that the student loan recover, recovery program will be enacted and it will go into full effect because we do definitely need that student loan debt is excessively high in this U.S. countries, in, this, in the U.S. and excessively high for many borrowers. And hopefully they will be given some reprieve to have some of that debt just wiped away. I think that's really what is needed. So hopefully the legislation and the act does go through. That's just some crazy. Why is there any pushback against this bill? It makes no sense at all. Corporate stock buy box have helped keep the market afloat. So obviously it was a very bullish market to begin the year, but that has transitioned to a very bearish market with greater economic data around the US and even just around the globe being persistent and coming in during the early parts of 2023. Now to combat that, Many U.S. corporations have been buying back their own stock, and this has largely been seen as a vote of confidence by management. So buybacks are viewed as a confidence, a vote of confidence by management. The buybacks, the buyback spree has supported stocks while doing views about the path of monetary policy play out in the market. So companies have been buying back their own stock to help keep their share price afloat as investors ponder 
the path of monetary monetary policy, mon, you know, pondering the fact of, OK, how will the Fed react to this? How much will the Fed raise interest rates to go in the future? So with, you know, great economic data coming in. So that's why companies have been buying back their own shares of stock. So when a company buys back its own stock, the increased demand typically raises share prices because there's going to be fewer outstanding shares left on the market. The fewer shares outstanding on the market as a result of buybacks buybacks also have the effect of lifting a company's per share earnings. So companies buying back their own shares, a lot of times when companies just have capital to, to deploy, just have capital you know, saying on their books, they'll, okay, decide to buy back some of their stocks in order to raise their share prices, which is what some of America's biggest corporations have been doing. Chevron Corp had a $75 billion buyback program, $40 billion billion buyback program from from Meta, Facebook, and Goldman Sachs also had a $30 billion authorization for their buyback program too raise the share price of their stock. So that's something that corporations have been doing to keep their share price afloat amidst all of this uncertainty about how the Fed will move forward with raising interest rates. So moving to the automobile industry, the car industry. So something that has been been becoming a lot more common is a thousand dollar car payment. Yes, a thousand dollar car payment man <laughs> it's a tough market right now to be buying a car like even if you're looking to buy a car right now and prices are high especially for newer cars and some you know user user um cars used cars as well those prices are pretty expensive even with them being a couple years old so it's looking like consumers are starting to deal and buckle under the weight of rising finance cars with car loan delinquencies rising so obviously with the Fed raising interest rates, that affects borrowing loans and just auto loans in general. So with interest rates increasing and many people, when they buy cars, they're financing. They're not buying cars of just flat out cash. They're financing, which means they have to borrow cash in order to put a down payment on a car or however they proceed with financing the car. But they have to get a loan from a bank or wherever to finance or go with proceeding to buy the car, which obviously is affecting borrowing loans. So which has been seeing a thousand dollars becoming much more of a norm to pay for a car. And it's looking like consumers are starting to not be able to actually afford that. So consumers look like they're starting to buckle under the weight of rising finance cars of car loan delinquencies rising. The fourth quarter number was just shy of 3.61% peak in a 30-day delinquency reach in the last three months of 2019. These delinquencies could be just the beginning of a bigger turndown for consumers and a problem for car stocks. The reason consumers are struggling with car loans isn't hard to figure out. New car prices are at near record highs, and while used vehicle prices are off their highs, they remain roughly 50% above pre-pandemic highs. So cars are just becoming more expensive. Used cars are more expensive as well. And with that, uh, consumers are having to take out much larger loans to even make reach these deals with dealerships to able to be able to afford a new car. So just in general, it's just becoming tougher and tougher for consumers to buy a car and even for these dealerships to just sell the cars because it's just becoming a lot more tougher for people to be able to afford cars. And 
hopefully this trend is able to reverse and the car market is able to cool off because this is getting ridiculous with some of these new sticker prices for these cars. It's just a tough market out there in general. So Tesla had its investor day. So usually Tesla investor day is where, you know, CEO Elon Musk and their board will give updates on how Tesla has been performing and unveil maybe some of their future project future projects and just a general whole as where the company is standing for the day however usually on a tesla usually within the tesla day they don't usually give too much information regarding their projects their new developments their uh new models that may be coming out and it had been speculated that a tesla model too so a lot a largely more a largely more affordable car, I think, within the price range. It's been speculated that uh, at the Tesla 2 model would be, you know, within the $25,000 to $30,000 price range being a lot more affordable for, obviously, the average American. However, not much detail was provided on that, along with many of the other Tesla projects from that are currently in fold right now or in plan right now and elon musk and many of the board and the managers for tesla they did not give too much information within tesla investor day which led to a six percent fall in their share price after Tuesday thursday's trading session however for the new year tesla is very bullish and we're about to get into that right now net purchases of tesla stock among this have correlated for a 52 percent rise in 2023 in recent weeks they have scooped up shares of elon musk's electrical vehicle maker at a frenzied pace setting repeated records for one-day purchases already in 2023 they have spent a net 13.636 billion on tesla shares approaching the record sum of nearly 17 billion for all of last year according to v vanda research which has showed that many investors are just bullish on tesla they're pouring money into tesla and they believe that with a new model 2 that could be coming within the next two years as a successor for the model 3 electrical electric vehicle and within the 25,000 to 30 dollar price range they believe that could be very attractable for People within that $25,000 to $30,000 price range making, you know, a largely more affordable model for the average American to be able to afford. Now, obviously, Tesla's, you know, a great company. They are a, you know, a groundbreaking company. They're very popular. They're very trendy. You know, you, you'll see one, especially in New York, you'll see one, you know, basically every block. They're becoming more popular, um, especially within, you know, hip hop culture, pop culture, just within everyone. Everyone seems to just love a Tesla, love, you know, the overall brand and the makeup of Tesla. So, that's why investors are very bullish on them and they're looking to see how they will revamp the company what else is in store for tesla and their models within the up within the years to come and we're basically going to see how elon musk and how they could revamp tesla's how how much they could add to tesla as a whole and how tesla is able to expand within the upcoming years so again even with companies like tesla and you know the leading corporations and the best corporations they too need to they can't remain stagnant they too need to 
release something new or show to the American consumer and the average American that how they're been how they're looking to expand and grow into the future. Like you cannot remain stagnant because if you remain stagnant, your uh, competitors, you have competitors in the space who will eventually, you know, who are breathing down your 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 neck, breathing down your back and looking to create a greater dent into your market share and to grow a bigger dent into your uh, loyal fan base and see if they could lure some of your fan base to come to their company instead. So that's why these companies constantly have to make sure that they are making the best product that they're coming out with and making sure that they're able to grow their company at a great pace and a great rate and just be as attractable to the American public as possible. So it's to be seen if Tesla, what Tesla has in store for the future. Going along with Tesla, Elon Musk, of course, Tesla, he owns Twitter now. He has been cutting costs at Twitter like crazy, which he said that he was going to do. And last week he has he also cut a unreported amount of employees from Twitter. And basically people are honed in on Elon and Twitter to see how much can Elon cut costs and to keep Twitter running? How far can he go to cut employees and costs at Twitter? How far can he go with this and while keeping Twitter running as smoothly and efficient as possible? So there look so many are keyed in on Twitter in Elon to see what is that what is that key balance? between keeping a certain amount of employees and cost along with making sure that Twitter is able to operate as efficient and strong as possible. So I'm, I don't even think and know if Elon himself knows how much he's going to keep cutting costs and how many employees he's going to keep cutting. I think he is just aggressively trying to make sure that Twitter's margins are kept as efficient as possible. And he's basically seeing on a week to week basis, on a month to month basis, how much he can bring down the cost and Twitter's employees down to make sure that Twitter is running as smoothly and efficient as possible to make sure that every employee that is hired by Twitter is putting in their fair share amount of work to make sure that there isn't too much meat on the bone that is just being unused to say at Twitter. So Silicon Valley, many invest, many managers, many CEOs, they're keeping an eye on Twitter and keeping an eye on, on CEO Elon Musk to see if they could bring some of Elon's tactics and managerial tactics and ploys to their own company as well to cut costs at their own company. So it is very interesting to see how far Elon can go in cutting costs at Twitter and just to see what he has planned for the social media network as as well. So it's very interesting to see. He did not they did not mention how many costs were cut at Twitter, but it is very interesting to see nonetheless. Apple has been gaining a large a much larger, greater segment amongst Gen Z. So Apple is just, Apple is probably, you know, in my opinion, one of the greatest companies, the great company. They've built a whole ecosystem, iPads, the the 
iPads, iPhones, Macs, AirPods. They have it all. They have the whole ecosystem. They have the App Store. Apple is just that company. They operate at a great profit. They operate at great margins. They have a bunch of capital that's always there to deploy. They're always looking to get into other sectors and, and different industries as well. It's just every move that Apple makes is very calculated. That's why I just love Apple. I have the iPad, iPad, iPhone, you know, I'm just, and I, I, I rock with Apple. Who else doesn't rock with Apple? Like, but it just within younger people, obviously they've noticed this, and Apple has just been winning just overall the Gen Zers at a much greater rate. So consumers around the world are increasingly choosing Apple's iPhones over high-end Android smartphones. Younger users are pushing the company towards the level of dominance in the market globally that it is doing in the U.S. From Europe to Asia, Apple's market lead in the premium bucket has grown. Polls show that Apple's in their teens and early 20s, known as Gen Zs, are increasingly seeing the iPhone as a must-have. The trend is putting Apple's chief rival, Samsung Electric Company, under pressure, turning the South Korean company's lead in overall global smartphone market. Apple shares of worldwide shipments of smartphones priced at $800 and grew above 76% last year from 65% in 2018, while Samsung's declined 17% from 27%. Samsung remains the world's largest smartphone maker by overall shipments, as a title that is held since 2012. However, Apple has been climbing up to that and has climbed up to 19% in 2022 from 15% in 2018. So Apple is shipping away at Samsung's dominance in the market. However, Apple is just that company, and it's just becoming more and more popular within just media, and you just see a lot more people with iPads and Apple products and MacBooks, and it's just becoming a lot, a lot more hard for Apple's competitors such as Samsung, Google to compete when all you see around social media is people with iPhones, influencers with iPhones, celebrities with iPhones, athletes with iPhones. Everyone has iPhones. Everyone has Apples. So when you see that around just pop culture, hip-hop culture, just everywhere, younger people are going to be influenced by that and choose to go with Apple as well. It's not that hard. It's not that complicated. And that's why if you're pouring all that money into Apple, continuously buying their iPhones and their products each year, why wouldn't you invest into Apple? Why wouldn't you invest into Apple? So think about that when you're choosing to invest and create your own investing portfolio because Apple really is that company. And some sports news, MLB's average salary hit record 4.2 million, but disparity amongst how these teams are spending and the salary, the, the amount of money that these teams are spending each year, the disparity amongst teams has grown. So obviously, Teams such as the Yankees, the Mets, the Rangers, they're always going to be, the Dodgers, they're always going to be at the top, you know, large markets. They're always paying, putting out these massive contracts out because obviously because of the market and the media deals that they have and just being in larger cities, they're able to accumulate a lot more money and a lot more profits and revenue in their company and therefore their team. So obviously they're going to be, look, they're going to be able to spend a lot more for player contracts. However, this disparity amongst you know small smaller market teams like the 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 my like the smaller market teams, the disparity has been increasing. 
So, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred spoke about having a more national product to produce more centrally shared revenue, which in turn, he hopes to reduce payroll disparities. He also floored the concept of direct payroll regulation, basically instituting a salary cap and minimum payroll, which many took to mean a salary cap. However, the MLBPA staunchly opposes a cap, and sentiment its executive director, Tony Clark, was quick to reiterate following Manfred's comments, basically saying that the MLBPA and the players will never agree to such thing. They'll agree to never institute a salary cap because obviously that will cap the amount of money and the large contracts that are just being dished out to the best players. They don't want to have a cap on that. Obviously, the best players, they want to be able to make as much money as possible. So they're not going to agree to a salary cap (laughs) at all. So that is definitely off the field. But it is interesting to see the disparity in payrolls in teams such as the Oakland A's and Pittsburgh Pirates, whose 22 payrolls were expected 50 million and 59 million in total. So the whole team in general, they were only spending 50 million and 59 million for the combined amount of players in general. However, it will be seen that the payroll for larger teams will definitely come down in the future. Zendaya is making a million dollars per episode from Euphoria. It's just great to see. There's only a few amount of actors and actresses who are making a million dollars in total. So it's great to see Zendaya again. The bag from Euphoria is one of the great shows out right now. And it's very great to see that she will be making that much money. But that is a little bit of actress news as well. And McDonald's is getting some pushback from Cardi B and Offset and from some of his restaurant owners for the new deal that they have out right now and the new McDonald's package that they have right now to share. I don't know why some of McDonald's owners have having pushback. We all know who Cardi B, we all know who Offset are. I don't know where the pushback and drawback is coming back from some of their restaurant owners. As you guys can remember, they had the Travis Scott deal as well. Um, the Travis Scott meal. And we all know, like, <laughs> if you listen to the, to the lyrics of a hip-hop artist, like, what do you expect? Like, Travis Scott doesn't have the best lyrics. Cardi B also, they don't have the best lyrics. Like, we know who they are. You know what you're getting into when you're collaborating with these hip-hop artists. Like, they're like they're hip-hop artists. Like, you know what to expect. So I don't know why they're concerned about how having Cardi B or Offset and how it may look for their brand portraying, you know, the family, the family inclusiveness of McDonald's and just the family brand of McDonald's. But again, like there wasn't this outreach of Travis Scott. So why is this outreach coming with Cardi B and Offset? Like it makes no sense to me, but um, there has been some pushback from that. So hopefully they will be able to just get past this and you know put out their meals but it is very interesting to see how mcdonald's has having some concerns or some of their owners are having some concerns about that within their franchise it's just craziness to me but that is insane and that is the end of money making markets episode eight i hope the news stories and developments that i brought this week were very interesting again i'm going to continue to bring different news stories different elements every single week and just make it as interesting as possible get into news stories and many different developments along the way so hopefully money making markets episode eight was very enjoyable for you guys and you know we're able to keep it pushing so share this with your friends and your family and that's what it is money making markets episode eight hope you guys enjoyed gonna keep it pushing peace (laughs) 